Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode contains graphic descriptions of medical afflictions that some people may find disturbing. We advise caution for listeners under 13. Ten-year-olds in pointy party hats ran around laughing. They dodged tables set up with wrapped gifts and cake. Boys and girls darted behind trees, caught up in a high-stakes round of tag. The birthday boy's father, controversial medical researcher Andrew Wakefield, called the game to a halt. He beckoned the kids over. Thinking it might be time to sing the birthday song or open presents, they gathered around. But Wakefield wasn't thinking about cake or gifts. He wanted the party guests to do him a favor. The children lined up single file. In exchange for five pounds, each had a tourniquet strapped around their arm. Wakefield inserted a needle into a vein and drew blood. Under nylon balloons and colorful streamers, a few children fainted. One turned and vomited ice cream all over his mother. But Wakefield got the blood samples. In 1999, Wakefield told this story to a crowd of parents at the Mind Institute in California, explaining, People said to me, you can't do that. Children won't come back to your birthday parties. I said, we live in a market economy. Next year, they'll want 10 pounds. Surprisingly, the crowd laughed and laughed. Later, Wakefield changed his story. The birthday party blood draw had never made anyone vomit or faint. It was just a funny, dramatic story. Nothing worth getting upset over. In fact, he saw himself as a victim. He'd studied the connection between vaccines and autism for years, just for the medical establishment to reject his findings and demonize him. With no funding and no supporters, he'd had no choice but to go to extreme lengths to continue his research. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life or death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. 
As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle. This week, in part two, we'll analyze all the evidence and try to find an answer. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This is our second episode on Andrew Wakefield, Dr. Turns Scammer. Although his experiments were filled with skewed data and financial conflicts of interest, his conclusions and recommendations spread through the world as if they themselves were contagious. Last week, we discussed the publication of Wakefield's Lancet paper, which suggested that vaccines can cause autism. After his conclusions hit the press, panic swept through London. Even after the British medical establishment threw out Wakefield's findings, the viral idea continued to spread. This week, we'll follow Wakefield in the United States, where he tries to rebuild his brand and con another nation. We'll meet investigators like Brian Deere and Richard Horton, who tried to inoculate the public against a dangerous idea that it's safer not to vaccinate children. Andrew Wakefield had spent his career searching for the link between autism, gut disorders, and vaccinations. He claimed that the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine could cause autism, Crohn's disease, and other disorders. His most notorious paper published in The Lancet launched a media maelstrom. Throughout London, alarmed parents stopped vaccinating their children. Suddenly, diseases that had been under control, like measles, were at risk of reappearing in large numbers in industrialized nations. A subsequent investigation discredited Wakefield utterly. He was forced out of his teaching position at the Royal Free Hospital School of Medicine in 2001. Disgraced, he left to start anew in Austin, Texas. But the international move couldn't get Wakefield away from his critics. One of the harshest was Richard Horton, the editor of The Lancet. He turned a new leaf after helping cause the whole panic by publishing Wakefield's article in the first place. Now he was ashamed of his role. He called his decision to publish Wakefield's paper embarrassingly naive. But he didn't know how to make things right. Medical professionals like Horton spent their lives fighting microscopic viruses and bacteria. But no one knew how to stop a viral idea. Horton figured that since Wakefield's conclusions had spread in newspapers and on TV, maybe he could release accurate information the same way. So he published articles. In one piece, he argued that since 1998, researchers had convincingly refuted any association between the vaccine and autism. Not one person or group has confirmed the original findings in the Lancet paper. But as it turned out, calls to reason and order didn't make headlines like alarmist anti-vax conspiracy theories did. Few major media sources picked up on his statement. Wakefield's misinformation continued to spread, and now he was peddling his theories in a brand new country. 
In 2004, Wakefield's claims about vaccinations and autism hadn't yet taken off in America, but he took heart in the panic happening across the pond. Wakefield didn't see the dropping vaccination rates as a cause for concern. They were a source of hope. If his colleagues wouldn't listen to him, perhaps more ordinary parents would. Wakefield saw himself as a martyr, exiled from his homeland for daring to speak truth to power. He wasn't going to let the growing tide of criticism shut him down. According to Seth Mnookin's The Panic Virus, Wakefield said, I have already lost my job, but if you come to me and say, this has happened to my child, what's my job? What did I sign up for when I went into medicine? To look after your child. I'm here to address the concerns of the patient. There's a high price to pay for that. That price involved exposés by investigative journalists like Brian Deere. Deere was notorious for taking down corrupt drug companies, but in the early 2000s, he turned his attention to Wakefield. In 2004, he announced his plans to publish information about Wakefield's clear conflict of interest. The research for his Lancet paper had been funded by anti-vaccination advocates. Deere's investigation threatened what little stability Wakefield had in his new American life. For the most part, people in the United States had never even heard of him. If Deere's piece went public, Wakefield's new friends and neighbors would hate him. To address the report, Wakefield immediately flew to London to meet with his former colleagues and Horton, the editor of The Lancet. Horton gave them 48 hours to explain themselves in a written statement to the press. He'd already decided to partially retract Wakefield's paper based on the allegations, but a statement would help Wakefield save face. By this time, Horton knew he couldn't cure the viral idea by publishing facts, but maybe he could immunize the public to this misinformation by getting Wakefield to apologize and agree his findings were wrong. But Wakefield wasn't willing to cooperate. He and two other holdouts, Dr. Peter Harvey and Dr. John Linnell, wrote a detailed response letter about why they thought the paper's retraction was a total joke. Which meant now, Wakefield and Horton were facing off in the news, and their debates were incredibly high stakes. A potential measles epidemic was on the line. On September 9, 2004, Horton appeared on Channel 5 News to make his usual statements against Wakefield. But the presenter told him some surprising numbers. The station had polled their audience. 17% were convinced the MMR vaccine was safe. A whopping 83% were convinced it was not. Horton's whirlwind tour, an effort to immunize the public against dangerous ideas, had done little to change opinions. He'd forgotten one of the key concepts of virology. If a patient is already infected, it's too late for a vaccine. He couldn't reach people who were already contaminated by Wakefield's ideas. That contamination translated to outbreaks and deaths in the UK. According to journalist Brian Deere, immunization rates in Britain dropped from 92% in 1998 to 80% in the early 2000s. The problem wasn't just the parents who chose not to vaccinate the children. 
There were also immunocompromised patients, infants, the elderly, people with HIV or other immune disorders, and so on. These people couldn't get vaccinated for health reasons. Typically, immunocompromised people are safe thanks to something called herd immunity. The idea is simple. You can't get sick if you're never around sick people. So if an immunocompromised person spends all the time around people who have vaccines, they don't have to worry about measles, mumps, rubella, and so on. There's no one to catch them from. But when many people are unvaccinated, it's easier for diseases to spread. And when parents fell for Wakefield's lies, they weren't just putting their own children at risk. They were endangering all immunocompromised people. Which was part of why journalist Brian Deere was so confused. Wakefield wouldn't willingly let hundreds of people get sick and die just for profit, would he? Deere was fascinated by Wakefield, in part because he didn't believe the researcher was simply a monster. There had to be some logical reason for what he was doing. After reviewing countless talks, essays, and interviews, Deere concluded that Wakefield was more like a cult leader. He truly believed what he said about autism and vaccines. But he wasn't 100% honest. Wakefield knowingly used manipulative tactics to get his message out. In other words, Deere thought Wakefield was both a zealot and a puppet master. It was a dangerous combination. This was a man who truly would stop at nothing to spread his gospel. He had nothing to lose. This was consistent with claims Richard Horton had made during a news broadcast years before. He'd explained, I don't think Wakefield will ever be satisfied. He's invested his entire career and reputation in this belief, this hypothesis. For him to refute it now would almost be a negation of his personality. And nothing the medical community did could stop him. Throughout 2004, Wakefield fundraised for a center dedicated to autism treatment and research. In 2005, with the help of a $1 million donation, he set up an Austin clinic called the Thoughtful House Center for Children. The center was a one-stop shop for autism treatment, care, education, and therapy. Except, it was less of a resource and more of a front for indoctrination. The Thoughtful House promoted anti-vaccination conspiracy theories and offered dangerous alternative medicine. Some patients underwent chelation, a risky and sometimes fatal procedure designed to remove metal buildup from the body. Other young children were put on extreme diets. Although his methodology didn't work, Wakefield knew how to draw in a crowd. Soon after opening their doors, the new clinic was bustling. It didn't matter that Wakefield didn't have a U.S. medical license. He was cunning all the way down to using the name Thoughtful House. It implied that his treatments, compared to the alternatives, were caring and considerate. Due to practices like this, in 2006, Wakefield was investigated by the General Medical Council, a governing body of medical practitioners in Britain. The hearings had the potential to discredit Wakefield within the medical community. But Richard Horton feared they might have the opposite effect on the public at large, because they'd give Dr. Wakefield a platform. In an interview, he said, 
When Wakefield walks into the GMC, he will have a national stage that has been denied him. The outcome of the GMC's proceedings could be a lose-lose for the Department of Health. For Wakefield's supporters, he will either be vindicated as a hero or go down as a martyr to his cause. Nevertheless, the hearings went forward. The GMC accused Wakefield of having undisclosed financial conflicts of interest, ordering unnecessarily invasive procedures for children, failing to detail how patients were recruited for the study, breaking the hospital's code of ethics, and showing a callous disregard for any distress or pain his patients may have suffered. Wakefield denied all the charges, launching a lengthy two-and-a-half-year investigation. And the review? It was widely reported on. As Horton had feared, Wakefield had now reached a massive audience. The rumors and misinformation spread almost as fast as the measles. Up next, the court battle continues as people all over Britain and the United States get sick. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. In 2007, 50-year-old researcher Dr. Andrew Wakefield was investigated by the General Medical Council. Meanwhile, journalist Brian Deere was working tirelessly to stop him. He wrote about Wakefield's financial conflicts of interests, his manipulation of data within the original experiment, and the idea that the medical establishment itself was protecting him. It was a weird allegation to make since Wakefield was embroiled in a massive hearing. But Deere argued that Wakefield's lies should have been caught much earlier. He explained in The Guardian that restaurants are checked for cleanliness, athletes are checked for steroids, but rarely was there ever a check on scientists. Wakefield had gained notoriety thanks to that lack of oversight. His views had wormed themselves into the public mind. It was impossible in 2008 to hear the word autism without thinking vaccine. According to the CDC, 91% of measles outbreaks that year occurred amongst people who were unvaccinated or of unknown vaccination status. And sadly, this resurgence of measles had been all too preventable and foreseeable. 
When vaccination rates fall, measles is one of the first diseases to return because of how easily it spreads. To compare it to another recent epidemic, one person infected with coronavirus will spread it to an average of two others. But one person infected with measles will spread it to 18. In a horrible twist, measles became widespread in Europe in 2008 after it was thought to have been entirely eliminated a decade prior. And epidemiologists, researchers, and doctors were left scratching their heads. They knew how to prevent the spread of disease, get vaccination rates up, but the public was uncooperative. Nobody was clear on how to stop a viral wave of misinformation. Journalist Brian Deere continued to publish. Little by little, he hoped to change parents' minds and get them to vaccinate. In 2009, his Sunday Times article proclaimed MMR doctor Andrew Wakefield fixed data on autism. The piece confirmed that Wakefield had manipulated his findings to support his predetermined conclusions. The medical community had known this for a while, but Deere was working to make it public knowledge. The key was to get readers to care. Richard Horton did what he could to help. The Lancet finally completely retracted Wakefield's original paper in February 2010. Under the byline, the editors of The Lancet, they said that the link between autism and the MMR vaccine was utterly false. Additionally, The Lancet found Wakefield et al. guilty of ethical violations. Wakefield and his colleagues had failed to get the necessary clearances to conduct the procedures they'd performed. Iliocolonoscopies, biopsies, and lumbar punctures. Finally, Wakefield's study was completely and utterly debunked. But he didn't take the ruling lying down. Wakefield complained to The Independent, I was discredited in the eyes of those who wanted to see me discredited. In other words, those who had an interest in maintaining the status quo. And sadly, his fans and supporters were still listening to him. The longer the debate raged on, the more divisive the issue of vaccination became. Ordinary mothers and fathers flocked to Wakefield. They saw him as a savior who is fighting big medicine to protect their children. They refused to listen to credible researchers or physicians, no matter what they said. In 2010, the General Medical Council called Wakefield to appear once again at the GMC headquarters. They'd finally come to a conclusion after over two and a half years of hearings. He showed up with his wife. Before he climbed the steps or walked through the doors, he kissed mothers and hugged children with autism on the street. The crowd held up signs, guilty of helping damaged kids, and were with Wakefield, crucified for helping sick kids with autism. Despite all these supporters, over the past three years, Wakefield had failed to find a single parent who would give evidence in his defense. Perhaps his legal team understood that their testimony was incredible, as it wasn't based on scientific fact. And with no evidence and no witnesses to back up his arguments, Andrew Wakefield was found guilty of dozens of charges, including subjecting children to unnecessarily invasive procedures. He was barred from practicing medicine. This was the harshest sanction the GMC could issue. 
In the wake of the ruling, Wakefield resigned from the Thoughtful House. The clinic refused to answer questions about him and struck all mentions of him from their medical archives. A statement from the clinic said, We fully support Wakefield's decision to leave Thoughtful House in order to make sure that the controversy surrounding the recent findings of the General Medical Council does not interfere with the important work that our dedicated team is doing. To further distance themselves from controversy, the Thoughtful House renamed itself in 2010. It became the Johnson Center for Child Health and Development. With the new name came a new ethos. Their mission statement changed to advancing the understanding of childhood development through clinical care, research, and education. Their updated website contained no mention of vaccine-triggered gut problems, and a Google search for the name Wakefield on their page returned no results. He was erased from the very organization he'd started. However, Wakefield's beliefs continued to spread. Nothing the GMC, Horton, or Deere had said could stop him. The Thoughtful House's rebranding hadn't slowed the spread of his ideas. The public was strangely open to the idea that vaccines were secretly poisonous. It didn't help that right around the time of the Lancet paper, the FDA released a statement suggesting maybe there was a danger lurking in childhood vaccinations. It all came down to an ingredient called thimerosal. Thimerosal is a preservative that helps prevent contamination. It was formally approved for use in the 1940s when physicians determined that it was harmless in small doses. However, it contains mercury. And in the 1970s, new research on mercury suggested the element was more dangerous than doctors had originally believed. Over the next two decades, the FDA and medical professionals began seriously reevaluating the use of products containing mercury. They issued detailed recommendations that women, especially pregnant women, limit their consumption of certain types of fish. As for vaccines with thimerosal, the FDA conducted numerous studies on potential mercury poisoning. They even tried to evaluate whether there was a link between thimerosal and autism. They found nothing, no single data point that suggested thimerosal was dangerous. Nonetheless, the FDA slowly began phasing thimerosal out of vaccine manufacture. Their reasoning was that new preservatives were available and it was best to avoid the risk of mercury poisoning, remote as it was. The ruling caused an uproar. To some anti-vaxxers, it seemed like a confirmation. The government was hiding something dangerous from the public. Wakefield fanned the flames. He described the use of thimerosal as one big cover-up by the CDC. He later said, scientists originally identified a very high risk of autism following mercury exposure. They then went away and manipulated the data, manipulated, manipulated, until they got rid of that effect. More controversy emerged in 2007 when many countries launched a new vaccine program targeting the sexually transmitted infection human papillomavirus, or HPV. The HPV vaccine was primarily given to teenage girls. 
Some conservative religious groups fought back, arguing it encouraged sexual promiscuity. In Ireland, Japan, and Denmark, media outlets reported that the vaccine caused disabilities. This was false, but did drive potential patients away. Some anti-vaxxers were swayed by other, more superficial reasons. Wakefield's views attracted celebrities like actress, model, and TV host Jenny McCarthy and actor and comedian Jim Carrey. They endorsed his viewpoints and gave him an even bigger platform. McCarthy explained, as the parent of a child who regressed into autism after his vaccinations, I have always considered Andy Wakefield to be the symbol of someone who stood up for truth despite extreme pressure to stand down. The anti-vaccination movement grew, even as it left unprotected children for dead and plenty of misinformation in its wake. Meanwhile, the media glorified Andrew Wakefield, and his followers were gaining traction. Next, Wakefield hits the movie theaters, TV screens, and minds of Americans everywhere. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. Through the late 90s and early 2000s, journalists Brian Deere and medical researcher Richard Horton worked tirelessly to expose Andrew Wakefield's lies. But it felt like one step forward, two steps back. Despite getting booted out of the General Medical Council, Wakefield was still invited to rallies all across the United States. In 2013, Wakefield, now in his mid-50s, was sitting pretty in Texas. He'd even begun work on a book about parents who have been falsely accused of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Wakefield was fixated on false accusations, probably because he believed he was falsely accused himself. He seemingly fell further into paranoia, believing there was a growing international conspiracy against him. You'd think those kinds of wild allegations would drive supporters away, but they actually made Wakefield even more appealing. His primary appeal lay in his certainty in the truth, his truth. Most parents, in turn, felt validated by a medical professional who gave them something concrete to blame autism on. Every other doctor just shrugged their shoulders and failed to give them any kind of answer. Scientists don't know exactly how autism is caused, but they believe it stems from a combination of genetics and the environment. It shows up with greater frequency when parents are older and when prescription drugs like valproic acid and thalidomide are taken by the mother during pregnancy. However, an autistic child can also be born to a pair of young, healthy parents. Generally, a child can't be diagnosed with autism until they're about a year and a half or two years old. This fact is telling for many anti-vaxxers who note that most doctors begin giving babies MMR vaccines around the child's first birthday. 
Wakefield supporters say this is damning evidence. Pro-vaccine activists say this is a coincidence, but can't explain why autism shows up when it does. Even more baffling, autism rates have significantly increased over the last few decades, and it's not clear why. But when a parent learns that their child has an untreatable condition, it's natural to wonder how it happened. Wakefield promised to give them answers. One mother, whose son was afflicted with autism, told the New York Times, I remember Dr. Wakefield was there, and it was just the validation. I don't care if my son was treated or cured, just the validation that we as parents who knew something was wrong got an answer. Someone said, yeah, this is not just autism. Your son has a real medical issue that we can treat. The problem? Wakefield couldn't actually treat autism. And the cure he offered, refusing to vaccinate, was making more people sick. In 2013, the New York Times reported on over 1,200 reported cases of measles in the UK. Public Health England, an agency of the UK Department of Health, launched a vaccination campaign. They targeted children ages 10 to 16 who'd missed their shots when Wakefield's propaganda first appeared. The movement was called the MMR Catch-Up Campaign, and through it, about 11% of previously unvaccinated children got immunized. As for the other 89%, Pro-vaccination advocates kept using the same strategies to try to reach people. They debunked Wakefield time and time again. A study led by physician Anjali Jain in the Journal of the American Medical Association reviewed 95,727 children. By comparison, Wakefield had only examined 12. The newer study found no correlation between vaccination and autism. Even with academia working to fix the misinformation campaign, Wakefield's teachings permeated the United States. He wasn't only a charismatic and charming man, but he was a brilliant self-marketer. He directed and co-wrote a feature film called Vaxxed, From Cover-Up to Catastrophe, which was supposed to play at the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival. You can guess what it was about. Robert De Niro, one of Tribeca's founders, said that he supported the movie. He explained, My wife Grace and I have a child with autism, and we believe it is critical that all of the issues surrounding the causes of autism be openly discussed and examined. Dr. William Schaffner, a professor of preventative medicine, called the decision to show the film sad because Tribeca had a reach far beyond New York where the festival took place. He said, scientists are all for ongoing reasonable debate and discussion, but these are ideas that have proved to be incorrect many, many, many times over the past 15 years. Many filmmakers and medical professionals argued that Vaxxed threatened the credibility of the festival in general. Following a storm of criticism, Vaxxed was pulled from the festival lineup. However, it still showed at the prestigious Angelica Film Center in Manhattan. Critics described it as one-sided propaganda, and yet many audience members left in tears, profoundly affected by what they had seen. 
Screenings that included talks with Wakefield sold out. He had a marvelous ability to appeal to emotion. The strongest emotional appeals come from our own friends and families. Wakefield's lies spread that way too. Before long, the notion was spreading through communities as much as it was spreading through the news. There seemed to be two primary groups that bought into Wakefield's propaganda, rich parents looking into alternative lifestyles and ethnic minorities. In 2019, the New York Times published a headline that said, where will measles break out next? Chicago, Los Angeles, or Miami, scientists predict. They found that vaccination rates were lowest among children attending fancy anti-tech private institutes like Waldorf schools. However, the minority communities were even more concerning. Wakefield was infecting vulnerable people with his ideology, people who didn't always have the resources to get treatment if their kids did get measles. For example, in 2017, Wakefield was directly linked to an outbreak in the Somali-American community in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Another occurred in Brooklyn within the Orthodox Jewish community. As Mayor Bill de Blasio issued a public health emergency, the public reacted with ire instead of understanding. They argued that it was the vaccines that were giving people measles. Jewish leaders in Muncie, New York, set up a rally with anti-vaccination speakers. Dr. Lawrence Palevsky said, it's fascinating because we're told how contagious the disease is, but somehow it's centered in the Jewish community. He was implying that doctors were distributing tampered vaccines, which would give Jewish children a new strain of the measles virus. Rabbi Hillel Handler added, we Hasidim have been chosen as the target. The campaign against us has been successful. Something was infecting communities all over the United States and the UK. Something more pernicious than measles or any other disease. A deadly wave of misinformation. And sadly, the media only helped Wakefield. Even negative coverage just made him more famous. No matter how scathing the article or how well argued the point, the press couldn't seem to stop or slow him. Brian Deere published dozens of articles debunking Wakefield in the late 2010s. But still, the death rates rose as the vaccine panic became a national myth. Measles cases across Europe saw a whopping 300% increase in 2017, over 20,000 instances with 35 documented deaths. By May of 2019, up to 839 cases of measles were reported in the United States, the highest number in the country since 1994. Around 220 infected people were found in Rockland County, the New York site of an Orthodox Jewish anti-vaccine rally. Desperate, New York authorities tried to force children to get vaccinated. They issued $1,000 fines against parents. Under threat, caretakers reluctantly vaccinated their children. Others campaigned against the new requirements. One mother of a disabled 12-year-old girl said, I shouldn't have took her for the MMR vaccine. And you know everyone will say, don't blame yourself. But I do. I blame myself. 
There's not a day go by I don't cry because of what happened. Even today, we still have a big problem with enforcing vaccinations. As the old saying goes, a lie will go round the world while truth is pulling its boots on. Anti-vaccination movements exploit anxiety. Wakefield's lofty rhetoric wins parents over. They describe his theory as the pieces falling into place. His emotional arguments continue to overpower Deere's logical facts. Andrew Wakefield claims to believe that one in two children will develop autism by 2032. With fear-mongering statements like this, he's become incredibly rich, famous, and powerful, especially because he counts so many influential celebrities among his friends. Journalist Brian Deere and editor Richard Horton are still waging their media campaign. But ultimately, Wakefield's beliefs might just be too incendiary and enticing. His story is a testament to the consequences of scientific fraud and media hype. And there's no known cure for that. Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. For more information on Andrew Wakefield, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Panic Virus, The True Story Behind the Vaccine Autism Controversy by Seth Mnookin, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Medical Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Amanda Prager, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner. <laughs>